Let's bring in Keegan Matheson now, Blue Jays reporter for MLB.com. Keegan, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me. Our, our pleasure. So, I mean, this this picture has brightened up quite nicely over the last four ball games. Jays eight and two in their last ten, and, and are in a position to to win their way in. What's what's different about this team over the last ten ball games that you didn't see before? It's completely different. This was a team playing such an uninspiring brand of baseball and an unexciting brand of baseball. So many days at Sky Dome, it was just dead in there for the game. There was no energy on the field, nothing around the stadium, and. It changes so quickly. They're finally playing up to their talent, which was not the case for so long. They were playing down to teams like the Orioles or the Tigers, but now they're playing to their talent level, and and there's a certain energy involved in that as well. With 162 games, it's difficult to understand, you know, even for myself being around this team every day, what type of wear that puts on a player. And it's more than just the game. It is the hotel life and the travel. And I, I know they fly a bit nicer than we do, but it's still a lot of moving around and being unrooted for a long time. So you're seeing a team that is dealing with that better now, I think. And you are seeing young players who are starting to understand how to play their best, even when they're not feeling their best. And it's just been a complete 180 this past week, and it's changed so quickly. Only a couple of games closer in the wild card, but it feels like they have just jumped completely up the standings. Well, I mean, what you're really describing there is is, is key parts of the team uh, delivering at the right time, which is, you know, it doesn't happen all the time to every team, but it's it's a great thing to have in in your file, isn't it? Yeah, so much of this is timing, Jim, with hitting with runners in scoring position, hitting late in games. That was the strangest part of this Blue Jays season for me is they just forgot how to hit in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning. And, yes, you're dealing with matchups and hard-throwing relievers, but other teams can hit that. You know, that's not a good enough excuse. Other teams are finding ways to do it, and if you want to win, if you want to make the postseason, you've got to figure that out. And even last night, Marcus Semyon with that grand slam, to give the Blue Jays some insurance, They have done nothing in terms of insurance this year. They've had a lot of good starts, and they hand it off to the bullpen and say, hey, figure this out. This offense is too good to be doing that. So that late-game insurance and playing a full nine innings offensively. Too often they've played six innings offensively and asked the pitching to do the rest, but it was a much more complete look. You know, it's a football term, complimentary football. I talked about this in the Cats went over the Argos. Um, pick six, uh, punt return, good offense, good defense, so everything's contributing. Um, and it sounds like that's where we are with the Jays. I don't know that we've had the full look at complimentary baseball, if that's even a term. What's, what's your take on that? Have, have we seen everything, well, sort of everything sort of contributing at the same time, or is it just different units sort of getting the team through this? You're starting to see it more, and that was the Blue Jays' problem, Jim, all season, is that the bats would show up, but they would have to win 10-9. to Or the pitcher would show up, and the bats wouldn't. They'd have to win 2-1. to It's such a stressful way, day-to-day, to play baseball. And not having that day where you have the 8 nothing win, like last night, where you can finally breathe and relax. And I do think they are connected. Maybe not as closely as in other sports. But what you've heard a lot recently, whether it's from Charlie Montoyo or someone like Marcus Semyon, who has such a good finger to the pulse of this team and of young players, is that when you're playing in close games like that, especially if you're a young guy, you can try to do too much. You can try to pick up your pitcher, and that's all good and well. The intentions are fine, but 
in baseball, it's not a sport where 110% works all the time. The moment you overextend yourself and try to do too much, well, a smart pitcher is going to pull back with a changeup and make you look like a fool. It's easy. So I think you're seeing the Blue Jays finally being able to breathe and relax a little bit at the plate and do what they're good at. Not try to do any more than that, but just do what they're good at. So, I mean, there's there's a good support staff here. There's no question that a lot of people like the, the Jays roster, but the top end is is really doing a job. How would you rate the, the Semyon-Vladdy uh, one-two punch in Major League Baseball? How good are those two guys together? I think there's a good argument they are the best offensively. When you see where they rank top five in home runs, right now among all position players, if you break it down by wins above replacement, Vladdy is number one at 6.0. Marcus Semyon is number two at 5.9. It just doesn't get better than that. And guys like Marcus Semyon, and this goes for Robbie Whitray as well, if it weren't for Vladdy, I think we'd be talking about them daily. They have seasons worth that, but it's the, uh, you know, the Vladdy show is understandable. But having that one-two punch, and not just that, but on one side you have George Springer, behind that you have Bo Bichette and Teoscar Hernandez. That top of the lineup is scary. You know, this gets back to those Real glory days offensively of 15 and 16 where you've got Donaldson, Bautista, Encarnacion, so on and so forth. It's such a challenge for a starting pitcher. And that's when you really start to build even complementary offenses, I, I believe, when you're really forcing a pitcher to throw to a guy. You don't want to walk Vladdy. You don't want to walk Semyon because right behind them is somebody else who's going to hurt you. Well, and you brought up Springer. I mean, there's almost like a, a weird air about his, his health and, and the foul off, off the, the left kneecap, certainly a flattened that tire. Going forward, if they had to go forward without him, and, and they've had to do this a number of times this year, how catastrophic a loss is that? It's tough. It's something they've done before. They have enough talent to go on without it. I mean, it's not what you want, but seeing Springer even running the bases before that foul off the knee yesterday was tough. And I do admire what he's doing because he's trying to play through something that's obviously really not good, not comfortable for him. And the Blue Jays have said it's a matter of pain management, that it shouldn't get any worse from here. You're not dealing with a tear that might get worse or something more worrying. But you need him a little closer to 100%. I know nobody is 100% right now, but seeing him dropping to a knee, struggling to get up, struggling to get down that baseline as a DH is tough. So the Blue Jays have enough bats where they can fill that out if they need to be without Springer for a few days. Uh, if he needs longer than that, I think that's when you start to worry. And at this point, Jim, I think seeing Springer in center field is out of the question, uh, unless it's really late in the season. Just how he's moving around, uh, playing defense is not in the conversation at all right now. So, Keegan, I'm, I'm sure you have looked at the schedule, and, and clearly the, the, the Yankee series that we're in now and the one that happens later are, are key moments for the Jays and sprinkled in a, a bunch of Minnesota, Baltimore, and, and some Tampa. I mean, it is, it is very doable, isn't it? It is doable. When you look at those series against the, the Orioles especially, this is when the Blue Jays need to dominate and go in and bully a team that they're better than. They haven't always done that this year, but – with some momentum that should be easier. And there's an urgency to this as well. You know, when you play 162 games, not every game is the most urgent game of these players' careers. Uh, it can't be. But at this point of the year, it really starts to pick up. And I, I think, Jim, the big series will be those Rays series. I, I know they're not chasing Tampa Bay right now, but that's the one real threat on their schedule where they could go 1-5 and five or 2-4. and four. The Rays are 
so good themselves as a standalone team, but have always played the Blue Jays so well along the way. And they pose such a great challenge for Toronto because they play the type of baseball Toronto wants to play, which is clean, tight baseball, mistake-free baseball. That's why it's built so well for the playoffs. And I think those will be the big challenges, and the Blue Jays will really need to make their hay elsewhere and beat some better teams. So, Keegan, if we're talking about postseason baseball for the Blue Jays, what you know, who would we who would we credit? I mean, obviously, it would be a full team effort, but but it has to be on on the starting rotation and the bats, right? I think so, you know, Jim. This starting rotation has been fantastic, and I'm sure if we went back to February and March, we could dig up a bunch of audio that makes me sound stupid talking about this starting rotation. It looked like Hunjin Ryu, and then a bunch of question marks, really. Maybe yeah. Nate Pearson was going to be something he has not been. Maybe Stephen Matz could be that number four. Well, at the start, he was a number two. Now he's a great back-end guy. Alec Manoa was not supposed to touch this roster in 2021. And then we get to Robbie Ray. Yeah, I really think that when you talk about value to a team, what Robbie Ray has done is just incredible for this roster. Without Robbie Ray, we're not talking about the Blue Jays being nearly this close to a wild-card spot because – if the Blue Jays had have gotten a 4.25 ERA, let's say from Robbie Ray, where he is up and down, good one day, bad the next, I would have said, sure. You know, that's what you get for a year and eight million bucks from a guy who struggles with control. He's going to get Cy Young votes. You know, he might be in that one, two, three conversation with Cy Young. That is a million miles beyond expectation. So I think the, the value of Ray really cannot be overstated. And we've seen this movie before. I mean, if Ray was to lead the way, and there's no reason to doubt that he couldn't, and if Semyon was to continue as he has, and there's no reason to doubt that he won't, um, then all of a sudden you've got two guys leading the way that could not return next year. That's difficult, isn't it? It is. This is going to be an interesting offseason. Now, whether the Blue Jays' season ends on October 3rd or 5th or later in the month, that is the big question. That's the thing we're talking about the very next morning in Marcus yeah. Semyon and Robbie Ray because – those have been two of the best deals in baseball this year, which is great for this year. But the moment that final out of your final game is recorded, you think, oh, no, these guys just got expensive. Marcus Semyon is not taking a one-year deal. Robbie Ray sure is not making $8 bucks a year next year. He's probably tripling that. So it's uh, really worked out for the Blue Jays this year. But you've seen the value. And if you knock off both of those players next season, that's an ugly look. You know, the Blue Jays should have a ton of money to play with. They will be involved on both, and if they don't get Semyon, don't get Ray, well, they've got to go for something comparable, especially in terms of Ray. That starting rotation has been such a benefit for them, and it's going to be an interesting offseason and high stakes, too. This is not going to be about bargain bins. This is going to be top of the market. So I'm told, I have your travel itinerary in front of me, you are actually in New York City. Is this your first trip? I've been on the road a bit this year, down through Buffalo, Dunedin, some strange ones. I'm standing in the, looking down on Times Square right now. It's a little empty, but it's uh, interesting to be back on the road, see some uh, some full stadiums. Yeah, so, I mean, what is that like? I always ask this question for people who travel. In terms of your protocols, what do you have to go through? Now, it does vary a little bit state to state. Now, um, you know, here in New York, there is not a, a mandate for fully vaccinated when you're indoors in some locations, so... It's a lot of uh, making sure I've got the right state protocols to correct this and that. But in terms of media, day-to-day coverage, the real minutia of it, we are on the field talking to players, and it's great to be off of Zoom. Uh, a couple of players have <laughs> joked that they haven't seen 
anything below my shoulders in a couple of years, so it's good to know that I still have legs, and it's uh, much different, much different, but good to be off of Zoom sometimes and have some real human conversations. Normal is good, isn't it, Keegan? It is. It's refreshing to be back. (laughs) Keegan, thanks very much. Appreciate it. You got it, Jim. Take care.